Hey, Journey family, I hope you're enjoying the Holy Week reading plan as much as I am. And if you're just now jumping in for the first time, we are so glad you're here reading along with us and have a quick announcement. If you are local to Dallas, we want to invite you and really whoever else you want to invite to not only read with us, but also attend Watermark's Easter services this weekend. And you can find all the details in the episode description. Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. It is still Holy Week, and I am in the podcast studio with one of our lovely porch leaders, Miss Jessa Feist. Hi. Jessa, today we are in Numbers 21.9 and John 3. But before we get there, you're a normal young adult living in Dallas. You serve at the porch. We, I've known you for a year or two, but I want to know, and for those who don't know you, how you came to know the Lord. And then fast forward, what are you up to today? Yeah, good question. So I grew up here in Dallas, um, but I grew up in a Mexican-Italian household, so I grew up very Catholic. Um, But I grew up with a lot of fondness towards God, and I knew that God uh, never changed, that He always loved me, and that He didn't do anything to punish me out of spite. And so I'm really grateful for whatever foundation that was growing up, because by the time I got to high school— I truly was just living for myself. Mm. Um, how I looked, who I dated, what kind of scholarships I could get to college, um, how much I could party and get in trouble but not tarnish my reputation. Um, but then I had a really good friend kind of shake my shoulders a little bit and be mm-hmm. like, hey, you're— Wake and, you up. Yeah, anything that you are taking, like any kind of foundation in, is not going to last. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was honestly kind of prophetic because a couple months later, my uh, grandmother passed away really quickly. My older brother um, was in a mental hospital for a couple of months. Um, And I broke up with my boyfriend and kind of just left my social life. And so anything that I had a foundation in of partying or academics or my family or whatever, it all seemed to be gone. Fell apart. And so um, that same friend asked if she could take me to Chipotle before Mass on Sunday. And I was like, oh, that has to be a big deal because you're not really supposed to eat before you go to Mass. Yeah, and (laughs) Chipotle of all places. What a pick. I know. And uh, she ended up sharing uh, Romans 6.23 with me. And she had been a believer for a week. Um, Another girl had, like, written out uh, the bridge illustration for her. And she honestly just fumbled and mumbled her way through the gospel. And for whatever reason, that was when God really, like, chose for that to click. And for the rest of high school, I tried to grow on my own. I tried to grow with my friends, left, like, partying, left those things behind, but really didn't start growing a ton until I got to college. And I met a girl— in a dining hall, actually, because I skipped class to go to lunch by myself, <laughs> which I never did. <laughs> That's so sad. Um, but she uh, shared Romans 6.23 with me. And I was like, yes, I believe this, but I don't know how to grow. Hmm. She's like, well, let's read the Bible together. And I was like, great, sounds awesome. I don't have a Bible. And so she went and bought me my first Bible, and we met up every Thursday for the rest of college. So how old were you at that point? Uh, it was 18. It was so like young, early uh, it in was college. Like, yeah, I came to Christ when I was 16, and I met her my second week on campus. Okay. You fast forward. Mm -hmm. What's God doing in your life today? 
Where do you work? That is a good question. I work How at— are you connected to the church, all yeah. that? Yeah. I um, got to do the Institute last year. So that's honestly when I started going to Watermark. So 10 months discipleship, mm-hmm. intense training. Intense training. And it kind of ripped me apart in the best way possible, and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm working in an interior design firm now. I get to do— So cool. Yeah. I get to do accounts and studio management. So I've the last math class I took was, like, in high school— so nice. I don't know how I nice. got this job. I'm so glad they, they chose you for the job. It's been really cool. I get to work with a lot of non-believers, which is my favorite part of my, about my job. And God's got you there for a reason. Yeah. Well, I say we just jump right into the text. How about that? Sounds great. Okay. Let's start in John 3. Jessa, why don't you set it up for us? Sure. So John 3, um, we meet this guy named Nicodemus, who we know is a Pharisee. And Jesus actually later on calls him the teacher of Israel. So not only is he a Pharisee, but he's like kind of a top dog. And so he's asking Jesus, he comes and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with them. So he's respecting Jesus. He's giving him a lot of rapport, but Jesus goes in and he he starts talking about being born again. Mm-hmm. He's like, wait, like figuratively what? or literally, what are you talking about? Sure. And basically, Jesus keeps explaining it to him. And he says, if you can't understand it with your knowledge that you have now, I don't know how else to tell you. And so he kind of throws this comment in verse 14 out of left field. He says, and as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And I, I know my first time reading this, and even a couple times after, I'm like, whoa, why is he comparing himself to a serpent? I thought we weren't supposed to like serpents. Like, the most serpent, in, most famous serpent in the Bible is, you know, in Genesis and sure. doesn't have a great reputation. No, definitely not. But he's really—he's calling back to the story in Numbers 21. So the gist of the story is that God's people are just— they're just not doing what he is asking them to do. He keeps fixing their eyes on him, and then they wander and wander away. And so he intercedes um, by sending these poisonous snakes in their midst. And it's important to note that God put the poisonous snakes among them. That is something he chose to do and he allowed to happen. Um, So I think that that's noteworthy. As it goes on, Moses intercedes for them. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So which Mo- is crazy. Which is wild. Like, hey, these snakes are going to bite you. And if you want to survive, look at this golden yeah. figurine on a pole. Which is, yes, is kind of confusing and kind of weird. But it's significant because what God is asking us to see is that the thing that is causing the Israelites to be poisoned— is the snake. Mm-hmm. But their salvation, their healing comes from the same symbol. Hmm. And that kind of shows us who Christ is, that Christ had to become sin, had to become death for us to have salvation. I, I think you raise an interesting point, Jessa. Second Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, Jesus, who was perfect, so that in him— by looking to him or believing in him, placing our faith and trust in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It's so good. Keep going. And I think what he's asking us to do in verse 9, so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. 
He's not asking us to figure out our own antidote to the poison. He's not asking us to avoid the snakes at all costs. You you will get bit if you're around these snakes, and it will be poisonous, and you will die unless you look and you fix your eyes on this bronze serpent that's raised up, which is what Jesus is talking about in John 3 when he says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The Son of Man may be lifted up. Mm. And a bronze serpent then became a symbol of healing. We even see it on the side of ambulances today, of just the hope of salvation, that that symbol that should have been really scary gives these people who have no hope unless they fix their eyes there. Yeah. I think, Jessa, that's so good because when we look at, when we think about the New Testament, if people are following along in their journals, there's a note at the bottom of the page that says, hey, how do we connect the dots between the Old and New Testament? What's the most famous verse in the New Testament? John 3.16. John 3.16. But right before that, we get this New Testament nod to the story of Moses and the bronze serpent. And so when we connect those dots, the weightiness of Jesus' words, um, it doesn't change their meaning. It doesn't impact our hearts anymore. But we contextually understand it better, more fully, which is a sweet, a sweet thing to discover. I wish we could keep talking. We're out of time. So, Jessa, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We are still running our social media contest, so we'll put the details in the description. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.